Good morning, folks, and welcome back to another episode of South of Cheddar Curtain. Hopefully you had the time and ability to check in and listen to Devin's episode um, a little bit earlier, where he kind of explained what's been going on a little bit, why we had to split up due to the holidays, scheduling, all that kind of good stuff. But I know we missed last week, and we were determined we were not going to make that mistake again. Too much to talk about here in Packerland, so let's get into a little bit of a game review of the Packers' 33-30 to win over the Carolina Panthers. I want to kind of frame this discussion about this game around the fact that we should remember this is the worst team in the NFL by a pretty large margin, right? So the fact that we barely squeaked out a win here, it was one of the more uncomfortable victories I think we've had over the last couple of years. Definitely some good things that came out of it to feel good about, but a lot that just kind of proved some of the discrepancies, some of our downfalls from the previous weeks. I think the biggest thing for me is we once again kind of lacked that killer instinct, right? We were up 23-10. to 10. Against a team like this, you should put your foot on their throats and really just finish them, right? There's no reason to let this team back into the game, especially with a rookie quarterback in Bryce Young who has looked not great, to put it mildly, and probably be a little generous to him through the course of his young career so far. So, worrisome game this is one that I think if you if you watch the first half you're kind of like okay we're looking pretty good offense clicking defense kind of doing what they should do against a bad offense um we got this right and as it turned out no no we do not it uh it took some late game heroics good kind of some good situational football by Jordan Love there at the end and thankfully Adam Thielen kind of fell down a yard or two too far downfield because Joe Barry was about to give up a game-tying field goal with 19 seconds left and no timeout somehow magically. So, uh, yeah, a little puzzling on some of the decisions there, the defense we played at the end. We'll get into that. Um, first things first, though, let's talk about the offense, right? So that's the main positive for the game, if we're, if we're being serious. The uh, Jordan Love looked good again, right? I, I think his numbers weren't great, right? 17 for 28, 219 yards, two touchdowns. Only took one sack. I, those are kind of what we've come to expect from him. I think he he is to the point where this kind of feels like his normal game, right? He's got he misses some early throws, but then he kind of makes up for it. He makes some really good throws, makes some really nice plays to lead us down down the field. And I think we're to the point where I'm comfortable with this, right? If this is what I'm getting week in week out, I feel pretty good about it. I know there's a lot of room for growth. I know that he's shown a lot more than, than maybe this game particularly, but I thought he played well, kind of played within the offense, made good throws when he, need, when he needed to. We put up 33 points, so can't complain there. He played a good game. Um, had some, Like I said, had some really nice throws, um, particularly I think the the scramble drill and the throw to Dontavian kind of on the move, got it to Dontavian as he crossed the goal line right before the, the defender came over to, to give him a shot. I think that was really nice. We've seen a lot of that out of Jordan recently. Um, some scramble, keep the eyes up, find the open receiver, make the big play. Right, that's that's kind of becoming his his little calling card, which I I love to see, especially given that while he is capable of scrambling, and he, he had a, a nice one here in this game for 11 yards, it's not his strongest suit. Right, so if he can get in, get out the pocket, put extra pressure on the defense where they're not sure what he's going to do keep his eyes up, deliver a nice ball. That is an absolute huge skill you need in this league to be successful. You see all the top quarterbacks at this point doing, especially all the younger ones. So 
loved what I saw from him. Another nice moment for him was the uh, quick out to Romeo. That was what should have been kind of the game-clinching touchdown at the end there. Romeo motions in um, from wide, motions into kind of a, a triple-stacked formation. Also really nice route from Romeo where he shows patience. The first two receivers clear space out, and he hits the corner with like a quick little shimmy. Out route right at the goal line. Jordan's able to put the ball exactly where it needed to be with good timing, allowing Romeo to stretch for the, the goal line. I thought that was a really nice play. Um, it, an easy one, but an easy one that we've seen Jordan kind of miss before, especially early in games. If he's going to miss, he's going to miss that kind of thing. So that was great to see. I think the other one of the other best things to see in this entire game was Aaron Jones just absolutely going off early on, especially early on. Um, it was really the first big workload we've seen from him. I know the Buccaneers game, he got a lot of run early, and then that kind of tailed off. Um, basically used up his snap counts early in the game is essentially what happened, but we really let him loose, and he delivered. He had 21 carries, 127 yards, um, a lot of which was in the first couple drives still, but I like the volume for him. 21 carries, I believe he had three three targets, only one catch, but 24 total attempts at touches for Aaron Jones. That feels like a really nice spot to be at this point. Um, we're getting towards the end of the year here. No reason to leave anything left in the tank, right? We're kind of going for a playoff push. I love Aaron. Use him up at this point. But he looked absolutely electric. I mean, that first drive, he had like three long runs by himself. Um, and it really adds a different a different gear to this offense. We've been saying it all year long. Can't wait for Christian Watson and Aaron Jones to be on the field finally together for a full game. And we only got half of that. But what we saw was awesome, right? The pop, the explosion from Aaron is something that we don't have in any other running back. I think Emmanuel Wilson maybe has some of it. Um, But how many of those Aaron Jones long runs from this Panthers game would have been, you know, five to eight yard runs from A.J. Dillon? He just doesn't have that explosion, that acceleration to hit the hole at full speed and then kind of make a man miss. Or the best way I can describe Aaron Jones is slippery. Um, He had that one run to the right where J.C. Horn comes down to try to tackle him. And Aaron Jones, it looks like, is about to get sandwiched for like a two-yard gain. And somehow, he just kind of deflects J.C. Horn off his lower body, squirms through there, squirts through that hole, and takes off down the right sideline. That is a unique ability in running backs. Uh, There are others, obviously, that have that, but nobody else on this roster. He definitely brings a big play potential to the running back room, to the running game as a whole, that we have sorely missed and we have not really seen all the year outside of the outside of that first week against the Bears where he absolutely went off. So great to see. I think that we're going to use him a lot this upcoming week in a similar fashion. I would like to see a little bit more out of the backfield. Kind of going back to that Bears game, used him a lot out of the backfield to much success. I think that's going to be needed, but really nice to see him be able to carry the load, come out of this game healthy, no injuries, and play like an absolute stud, which we all know he is. There were three other offensive players I kind of wanted to spotlight, because I think overall this is a pretty good day for the offense. I mean, the Panthers' defense, while they're while the Panthers are now 2-13, and 13, their defense is pretty good. Um, they have a lot of really nice players there. Derek Brown is in the middle. They got Jeremy Chin out back. They have J.C. Horn, right? They got pieces. They're young. They're athletic. 
They have a good defensive coordinator, um, one that we actually interviewed and turned down um, in reference to Joe Barry. So we took Joe Barry over Evero, who's their defensive coordinator. That was a huge mistake, by the way. Um, Evero is a very good D coordinator, but right now just doesn't have all the horses. He's got some premier talent to kind of fill out that roster. But overall, it's a pretty good defense. That is the strongest area of the Panthers without a doubt. So the first person I want to talk about is kind of the return of Romeo. Um, throughout most of this year, he is taking a backseat to a lot of the young guys. He's had a lot of the big splash plays. Um, he had that absolute dime earlier in the season where it got dropped in, felt like from the heavens straight to him in the, in the middle of a bunch of defenders. He had some really nice strong catches through the middle of the season. Um, he's kind of our jump ball guy, but... Dontavian Wicks, Christian Watson blew up there for a while. While he was still healthy, Jaden Reed obviously has had a lot of explosive plays. All these guys seem to kind of overtaken Romeo. Um, and if we had an episode last week, one of the things I was going to talk about, uh, one of my thinking I knows was, I think Romeo might be wide receiver four at this point. When healthy, when everyone's healthy. Uh, big caveat there because of Christian. But Christian's clearly still, still a guy, right? He's still your guy. Jaden used for absolutely everything. You can't take Dontavian off the field with the way he's playing, especially with the hard desire he runs with when he catches the football. Romeo kind of seemed to be fa- being phased out a little bit. And with some of those guys dinged up, it's a great opportunity for him, and he really delivered with four catches, 79 yards, and that touch that I mentioned earlier. Um, he played a really nice game. I think that we still spread the ball out a ton which I think is a strength of this team at the moment, and it's really nice to see from Jordan Love and Matt LaFleur play calling. But Romeo had some big catches. He had some run-after-the-catch ability. He had um, that long of 36. Down the left, that kind of uh, saved the game a little bit for us, which was kind of a questionable call if that was a catch or not. But it feels like in big moments like this, Romeo's the guy. right? He may not show up the rest of the game, but... He's going to come down with the ball. He's definitely the most aggressive catcher of the football we have at the moment. I think Jane Reed shows some of that as well, but if you kind of need a jump ball 50-50 opportunity, Romeo appears to be that guy. It was really nice to see him do things besides that. One of his other big plays was just a slant route, right? A little short little slant route. He makes a couple guys miss, kind of carries a guy down the field. Unfortunately, he fumbles. Thankfully, Josiah DeGuard did the first good thing he's done in months on the field and recovered it. But it was nice to see some of those other skills he has that have not been on display nearly as much recently. And part of that is just due to some of the other guys stepping up, Jane Reed, Dontavian Wicks, the tight ends collectively. Um, But really nice to see kind of where he's grown. Now, the second guy I want to bring up is the guy that I've brought up every week for a month now. And that is my boy Tucker Craft. I, I love love Tucker Craft, and I love talking about how excited I am with this tight end room. Um, and Tucker's just balling out week in and week out. Uh, he had four catches, sixty yards, long of twenty seven. That's great, right? That is that is a above average stat line for an NFL tight end, and much less a rookie tight end, much less our second string rookie tight end. Um, I knew coming into the year, I think a lot of us did, he was going to be a raw prospect. Both him and Luke were going to be for different reasons, but Tucker coming up from a lower uh, grade of competition, he wasn't going to be able to be quite the physical freak that he was compared to 
the defense play in and play out, but some of that has remained. Right? I think he it feels like every week he has a nice catch and run, right? Where he kind of drags someone or breaks a tackle and, and it's kind of the anti Luke Musgrave at this point. Um which which I don't like saying, but it's probably the truth. I just please Tucker, for the potential future of having a family, will you stop hurtling people? It doesn't work, right? And you just they teach people. They did I mean they did this in high school. I'm sure this is what they teach in the NFL too. If someone tries to hurdle you, just stand up. Right? Because the guy's gonna get hit by by a shoulder pad, by a helmet, by something in a place he does not want to get hit, and he's not going to do it again. That's kind of the thought process. Well, Tucker has not learned this lesson. He just keeps doing it. Uh, I, I love the enthusiasm. I love the drive and the desire to, to gain additional yardage. I just think he should probably find another way to do that that kind of uh, protects him a little bit more. That that would be my, my wish for him going forward. But could not be more excited about how he is playing, and the potential for when eventually Luke Musgrave and him see the field together, which at this point, maybe week 18, probably next year. But, man, that's he, he's good. He's good. He's already an average to above average NFL tight end in the receiving game, it feels like, which is crazy, absolutely crazy to say. I think that you kind of look around the league and you see, of course, Sam Laporta, right? And it's easy to compare, and, and Sam Laporte is a guy that I pounded the table for coming into the year pre-draft, but that really skews what rookie tight ends do because even stud rookie tight ends don't look as comfortable at this point of the season as Tucker Craft is. And from all accounts, he kind of looked lost preseason, training camp, OTAs, all of that. You could tell that he was raw and had a long way to go, and the growth from him and a lot of a lot of people, other pundits and and the coaching staff has talked about this. The growth from him has been incredible, and the fact that it just seems like an upward trajectory week in and week out, and he does something awesome every single week, makes me so excited, and is why I will continue bringing him up week in and week out as long as he does something. So definitely want to give a shout out to him. Another guy who had a big game, at least relatively big game for him was Bo Melton. It was Bo Melton. So without Christian and without Jaden, kind of left us with Romeo and Dontavian as the primary wide receivers with Samari and, and Malik Heath coming off the bench. That does not leave us with a ton of a ton of speed, any any kind of jet sweep action, anything like that really, out of that group of players. So it was important that Bo Melton played a role in this game. He didn't have to be wide receiver one, but at least he had to be on the field, be a threat. Um, for anybody that doesn't know, Bo Melton has been on the practice squad. I think we picked him up about halfway through last year. Um, and then obviously he has been elevated this year due to injuries. He's a burner. He's very, very fast. And I wish we'd see a little bit more of that. We tried. We gave him a jet sweep. It went okay. He got like six yards. Um but it was nice to see him step up, and you could tell how excited he was. He had four catches, 44 yards, which doesn't sound like a ton, but this was essentially his first real game, right? I think he had a catch last week, uh, but his second, third, fourth, and fifth career catches came in this game. So it was good job to him. Stepped in, had some nice catches. Uh, 
was able to show a little bit of the speed on the on the kind of end around sweep situation. Really excited for him, and we needed him to just be out there and not be a liability, and that's exactly what he was. He was out there, and he looked like a professional wide receiver. So congrats to Bo Melton. Happy for him. Would love to see that deep speed a little bit more, especially if some of these injuries continue to linger, which they probably will. Um, he's really the only guy left that has that kind of pop, that ability besides Aaron Jones. So looking forward to that maybe this upcoming week, but great game by him. One final note for the offense. Do want to talk about the offensive line. I think they held up really well this game. Uh, Jordan was sacked once. Not a huge deal there, but they have some players. Like I said, the Panthers defense isn't awesome, but they have some people. They have Brian Burns, Derek Brown. Those are two two of the big names. Got Gross Matos, who's pretty good. Um, but Brian Burns is a problem. He's a problem. He's the guy that the Carolina Panthers, for some reason, turned down two first-round picks for. They think that highly of him. Now, that was a stupid decision on their part, but crazy freak athlete. A lot of people wanted him on this team instead of Rashawn Gary. They came out the same year in the NFL draft. Um, but a really, really high-end, super athletic pass rusher. And I feel like the tackles, particularly Zach Tom, did a really nice job on him. And the interior held up pretty well against Derek Brown, who's... Derek Brown's a... He's a dude, man. He's a dude. I would love for him to be on the Packers uh, playing some interior defensive lineman. He's strong. He's athletic. He can really penetrate. All the tools you want from from defense interior defensive linemen and be able to kind of keep he made some plays, but be able to keep him and Brian Burns relatively in check and not kind of wreck the game. Shout out to the O line. I don't want to spend a ton of time on the defense um, because we've talked about that mad nauseum over the last couple of weeks, and it's just not very fun to talk about, right? So I think we all know kind of the writings on the wall for Joe Barry at this point. I was hoping that that would that would make him kind of throw stuff at the wall a little bit and see what's stuck and, and tr- try to save his job by getting a little more aggressive, um, getting a little more creative in his play calls. And I think to some degree he did. Early on in this game, it felt like we got good pressure on Bryce Young. We were sending more blitzes. We were running a lot of stunts. We ran what felt like more man coverage this game. Um, and to begin the game, it went well, right? It, Bryce Young started the game bad. That's how we ended up twenty up twenty three to ten. Uh, kind of the flip side is that really faded down the stretch here, and I've seen people talk about it be because we let off the gas a little bit in the in the second half defensively, aggression wise, play calling wise. I saw a stat that that's not the case. We actually brought pressure on the, I believe it was identical percentage of plays first half and second half. It just didn't work. So. The Panthers made some adjustments to deal with some of the pressures we were bringing, and we did not counter them in an effective way. Uh, something I did see a, a decent amount of was we were sending both middle linebackers. We sent Quay what felt like all the time, um, but a couple times we sent McDuffie and Quay, which was interesting. We don't, You didn't really see that a ton with Devondre, Devondre and Quay out there at the same time, but definitely an interesting little wrinkle. We did that a lot last year. We'd bring Quay off the edge. Even coming out of college, he was a player that people talked about, hey, maybe we can kind of move him around a little bit. Uh, not something we've done a ton this year. But that was that was kind of an interesting wrinkle. Like I said, it felt like it played a little bit more man, ran a lot of stunts. I feel like that helped uh, Lucas Van Ness. thought he had a pretty good game. There were a couple plays where he was very close to getting a sack on Bryce Young. Fortunately, didn't get home. One of them turned into a big play to DJ Chark. But he's been really coming on the last couple weeks. 
feels like he's getting more snaps, and he's he's in the picture more, right? He's, he had a sack uh, recently, but it feels like he's in the picture more frequently. He's not looking nearly as lost, making more plays in the run game, showing that motor that he's kind of famous for. So I'm really happy with his progress so far. I mean, would it be awesome if he had a three-sack game? Yeah, that'd be great. But realistically, you can see some progression from him, and he does really well on stunts. I think largely because his skill set and some of his experience do well on the inside. So when he when he starts on the edge and when they stunt, so when the inside defensive lineman goes outside and the outside goes inside, it's the most common one anyways, he does well against guards and centers. He's not afraid of that in any way. So that was good to see. Um, one more good, th- good thing was that the run defense played really well. We held their running game in check, not like they're great at running the football. As a team, they had 96 yards on 3.8 yards of carry, heavily skewed by their wide receiver who had two carries for 33 yards. If you take him out, Truba Hubbard, who's their starting running back, averaged 2.7 yards of carry. Miles Sanders, who's their backup, averaged one yard of carry. So we really kept him in check. Now, bad team, bad run offense. At least we didn't make him look great. You know, we're going to see another one, another bad run team this upcoming week, well, today, actually, tonight. Um, it'll be interesting to see if we're able to stifle it to the same degree. It, it, the defensive game plan should be pretty similar this past week against Panthers and the Vikings, and we're at least able to handle that part of the game. Handle the run game, make them try to try to throw the ball over you and see what goes on. What was not great, unfortunately, were the corners. Jair didn't look great. I mean, he, he had a, a couple decent plays, and Stokes didn't look great. I think that Stokes, Stokes' demise has probably been slightly exaggerated. Um, he had both touchdowns thrown against him. Both touchdowns that Bryce Young threw were against him with to DJ Chark. He was in pretty good position both times. I mean, he probably should have broken up the first one that was thrown a little bit behind DJ Chark. But the second one, the scramble drill, where he's both him and DJ are sprinting to the sidelines, he's right there. That required a perfect throw. So did Stokes look good? No. Was I willing to give him a pass because he's coming back from injury? Yes. Does it really matter, as we're going to talk about in a second? No. No, it does not. Um, but it is interesting to to think about the best this defense has played was with the law firm Valentine and Valentine, right? So it's weird that we get our starting cornerbacks back, obviously without Rasul after he got traded, but it's interesting we get the starting cornerbacks back and they don't play better than the backups. I'm kind of curious if, if some of that's play call or scheme or, or what's going on there, but as I'm about to talk about, both cornerbacks, we got some stuff going on. You know, get ready for another first-round cornerback taken in this NFL draft. But before I get into that, one final thing from this game, uh, before I get into kind of this this wacky week we've had, um, and then to the Vikings preview, is Anders, right? So Anders Carlson is kind of an enigma at this point. Like, he just he can't kick extra points. He missed another one against the Panthers, and thankfully Eddie Pinheiro on the other side missed two. But he missed one, but he nailed his two field goals, the long of which was 53. It just, it's so interesting that he seems to have good medium to long accuracy, but short accuracy is really where he struggles. So I don't know if it's a, if it's a focus thing, if for some reason the snaps on extra points are weird. I, 
I don't know. Uh, Daniel Whelan seems to be a good enough holder, so that doesn't seem like a major issue. Does he just not, like I said, does he just not focus as much on extra points? Like mentally, is he? Is he? does he think he's going to make them? So he kind of lapses a little bit. I have no idea. Obviously, it could bite us at some point. Um, if not this year, maybe next year. But I'm to the point where I'm pretty confident in his mid to long range ability, which is kind of weird. And I get nervous when it's short range or extra points. Kind of the opposite of what you would expect out of a kicker. But we all knew there'd be growing pains. Overall, I think we can't complain about his uh, level of execution overall for the year, but just kind of a weird thing to point out. All right, now into the weird, wacky week of cornerback drama. So we'll start with the easier one. Unfortunately, uh, we did not get out of this game unscathed injury-wise. I'll go over kind of the full injury report in a minute when I get to the Vikings. But Stokes hurt his hamstring again and was kind of suddenly, uh, yesterday, Saturday, Showed up as out for the Sunday night game against the Vikings. Kind of out of nowhere. It's like, oh, he's on the injury report. Now he's out. Huh, that's weird. And then shortly after that, oh, he's on IR. Well, that sucks, right? And that's kind of why I said it didn't much matter how I thought that his game was against the Panthers. So now it's two years in a row where he's played a grand total of, I don't know, what is it, six games, something like that, over the course of two years. And he hasn't looked particularly good in those two years. So it'll be interesting kind of what we do going forward because he's about to be a fourth-year NFL player, and he put one good year on tape and has put two years of injury on tape, essentially. Not feeling great. And you would probably be feeling better about the cornerback room, even with his injury issues, if Jair hadn't just gotten... Things haven't just gotten weird with Jair recently, right? So there was that interview that was a little wonky a couple weeks ago um, in the locker room. And then this week, he decided to make himself a captain for the game. So the Packers, for anyone that doesn't know, the Packers don't have set captains for throughout the year. They have different ones every game. Um, picked by the players and Coach LeFleur and all that. And Jair was not one of them for this game. However, as he mentioned in the post-game interview, he is from Charlotte. And he's like, oh, coach didn't know I was from Charlotte. So, you know, it seemed fitting. Or seemed, I think his word was suiting uh, for him to go out there. So he went out there as a fourth captain. We normally only have three. Not only did he go out there, he then called the coin toss, which is not great, right? Like, if you're going to go out there and he said he had the, the support of his teammates. Cool. Fine. Whatever. Don't say anything, right? Because when he talked, he said he wanted to kick. And kicking is different than deferred. Deferring means you're going to defer your option to receive until the second half. Which, by default, means you kick. If you choose to kick in the first half, you are choosing to kick for both halves. Thankfully, LeFleur, before the game, tells the officials um, what the decision is ahead of time. And so the official was kind of like, wait, what? And gave him, a, gave him kind of an out. But we almost had to kick both halves of the Panthers game because Jair went out there for absolutely no reason and decided to call the coin toss and call it incorrectly. 
All of which is bad. This is all bad. Um, so as a result, well, first, he, he didn't seem remorseful at all after the game in the locker room. And he should have because if the ref didn't kind of correct him and if him and the other players up there didn't get situated, we probably lose the game. I mean, that's giving up a possession, right? That's a that's a problem when we only win by three and we almost didn't win. So fast forward to, to the week, right? And they suspend him for a game. And everybody says the good, the right thing. You know, coach comes out and says, had a really great conversation with him, you know, excited about moving forward, yada, yada, yada. But, like, what is going on, guys? Right? And it's been called into question, kind of, why is Jared not playing? He's practicing all this time. I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt because he said it's a, you know, it's a shoulder and he can, he can practice, but he can't really tackle or couldn't before he got healthy. Okay, that's fine. I mean, he, he's gotten less aggressive, kind of, as the, this year and last year have gone on, but understandable. We just start putting some of these pieces together and things get a little weird this offseason. You know, we paid Jair a lot of money. He's not been super available, and now he's starting to pull some weird stuff like this and some weird things in interviews, make himself captain. Especially you add that to some of the Devondre stuff, and it's like, okay, this is weird. This is not a situation the Packers normally deal with, right? The locker room kind of stays under wraps. We've had good veteran leadership, yada, 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 all that kind of good stuff. So just just weird. There's some weird stuff going on in that locker room. Hopefully it's just isolated to Jair, and they worked it through, and this is the end of the story. But that tied with Stokes kind of means cornerback's going to be a question mark this offseason. That's for sure. But on to the Vikings. So real quick before I get into the actual Vikings, a little bit of a preview, I'm going to go over kind of our playoff situation and where we lie so as of right now we're outside the playoffs obviously thanks largely to that loss to the Buccaneers we're seven and eight much like everybody else it feels like in the NFC um, the good news is if we win both games we got a pretty decent shot of making it in if we beat the Vikings beat the Bears and it doesn't take a ton of help to make that pretty decent shot become a very very good shot so for anybody listening I, I know this is going to come out right about the, the time the first game start on Sunday you are without a doubt, and this sucks. I feel I hate this. I really, really, really hate saying this. Um, especially being south of the Cheddar Curtain and all, right? But like, we should root for the Bears. Uh, they play the Falcons. The Falcons beating us doesn't affect us unless some other stuff happens. But we we need to root against the Falcons these next two weeks. Um. And the Bears have been playing decent. There's a chance there, right? And I feel dirty saying that. And if the Falcons win, I'll still still feel good about it. And hey, the Falcons the Falcons can lose next week, and that'll be great too. Uh, so we got that game. We also need the big another big one, pretty big one. Steelers need to beat the Seahawks. That would help hugely to make sure that we want a three way tie. If we get into a three way tie with the Rams, Seahawks, and Falcons. We own the tiebreaker over that group. Things get weird if that group changes and it's just us and the Falcons we lose. And There's a lot that goes into it. They're not going to get too deep into the weeds, but we need to win. We need to root against the Rams, the Seahawks, and the Falcons. Pretty simple, relatively. So first things first, we need to win. 
right? And we are playing the Minnesota Vikings, who absolutely trounced us earlier in the year. But that's that's probably putting a little aggressive. But completely different team now, right? Their defense has been playing really well. Their run game has been really bad. They're on their fourth quarterback, Jaron Hall, who we saw for, for all of one series in our earlier game. Um, we will be lucky enough to not face TJ Hawkinson, but Justin Jefferson is always a problem. So let's get into the injury report a little bit, and then we'll talk about some of their strengths and weaknesses. All right, so for them, the biggest question mark, they really have two players we need to be concerned about, and that is Jordan Addison, number one, really, really good rookie wide receiver that would cause us tons of problems, especially given that we're trying out the law firm with both Jair and Stokes on off the table this week. Very dynamic, deep threat. Uh, he's a really good player that we should be afraid of. Um, the other one being Makai Blackman, who's a pretty good rookie corner for them. So their defense is good, but if if one of their better cornerbacks is out, obviously that gives us kind of a chink in an armor to, to try to go after, especially given, hopefully, our passing attack will be a strength this week. Um, on our side, Darnell Savage is questionable. He'll be a big one. Um, especially given our lack of cornerback depth. We're rolling into this game with, I believe, just five corners, and that is if uh, Robert Rochelle plays. We'll see about that one. If not, Savage may be called on to kind of help with some slot nickel-type situational duties. We'll see. Uh, Devondre Campbell's doubtful, which means that he's he's not going to play. Both him and Christian Watson are doubtful. They're not going to play, so don't worry about them. Um, we get another game of, as Devin would call him, Isaiah McStuffie. And honestly, I'm fine with that. Campbell hasn't looked great. He's clearly not happy right now, given some of the drama that's surrounded him over the last couple of weeks. And he hasn't played well. I mean, him and Quaya, in theory, create such a problem in the middle of the field, given their length and athleticism and sideline to sideline and all that. And it just hasn't happened this year. So he's been kind of a liability. Both him and Quay at times have been a liability. And at least McStuffie can do one thing well, right? He will run through that gap and tackle the running back. He's very good at that. He's aggressive and downhill in the the run game. And I'd rather have one person be good at one thing than both people just be bad at everything. That's kind of felt how our linebacking core has been this year. So I'm fine with that. No big deal there. The other one is Dontavian Wicks. So Jaden Reed is back. Awesome. Dontavian Wicks is questionable, hasn't practiced all week, not going to hold my breath, but without Christian Watson, I would really like to have the rest of the guys, obviously. Um, I feel pretty good if we have Reed, Romeo, and Wicks. If Wicks is gone, things start getting a little dicey. We need another big game from from Bo Melton at that point, I believe Keith. So some interesting things, injury report-wise, we'll find out about an hour and a half before kickoff, but... We both have some uh, some interesting pieces that are we won't know until game time. I mentioned the kind of playoff hunt and all that stuff uh, a little bit earlier, and and essentially this game boils down to it's a, in a more or less an elimination game. I mean, if either one of these teams lose, and obviously one of them will, um, there's still a hope, there's still a, an avenue to the playoffs, but things get very dicey, low, very low percentage chance. Um, it's kind of a yeah, like I said, elimination game between us and them. So what do we need to be worried about, right? 
Obviously, Kirk Cousins is not playing. Josh Dobbs got benched. Nick Mullins got benched. Jaron Hall, who's going to be their starting quarterback this game, played for like two series, one against us, one against the team the following week, got hurt. So he's a rookie quarterback out of BYU, fifth rounder. Um, Really kind of interesting to see how that plays out. He wasn't a quarterback I was super fond of in the draft. Um, he passed to he threw to Pukunakua in college. Pretty talented guy, pretty athletic, right? But he he doesn't have a huge arm or anything like that. Very curious how he's gonna look. Um, he looked good in the one series he had in his one start, but that's scripted plays. That's you know what's coming. You don't know what's coming, but you know what you're doing. You can feel very self assured, all that kind of thing. Uh, this is gonna be a whole different ball game assuming he plays out the game. So this will be an interesting test, both for our defense and for Jaron Hall. We love to make bad quarterbacks look great, so hopefully we don't do that again. We've done three weeks in a row now. Um, If we make it four, we're probably out of the playoffs by the end of tonight. So can't let that happen. Good news is they can't run the ball to save their lives. Um, Alexander Madison, not good. Not going to play, really. They're going to have Ty Chandler, I'm sure do most of the heavy lifting. Really nothing to be afraid of there. I mean, if our run defense shows up like it did last week, we're good. We're going to make them throw. Problem being, especially if Jordan Addison plays, they have three good wide receivers. K.J. Osborne's like a pretty solid starting wide receiver. He can make some plays. Jordan Addison can be a problem, an electrifying player. And then you have arguably the best wide receiver in the league, Justin Jefferson. And I will remind you that our cornerbacks are going to be Valentine and Ballantyne, followed by Nixon, David Long, who I don't think has played a defensive snap for us yet, really, and Rochelle. So, don't love that. That could be a huge problem. That's really the matchup that's going to win or lose us this game. Jaron Hall and the wide receivers versus our secondary. And Joe Barry. Can Joe Barry confuse Jaron Hall? If he can, if he can mix up pressures mix up coverages, get creative a little bit. Please, for the love of God, get creative. Uh, I think we have we have a good chance in this game. And it's interesting because our offense against their defense, strength on strength. Their offense against our defense, weakness on weakness. It's really just going to be kind of a whose strength shows up the best and whose weakness is, is the worst, and, and hopefully we can come out on top there. I expect Jordan Love to have a pretty good game. Their defense is pretty solid. Harrison Smith has really kind of had a resurgence under under Brian Flores, their defense coordinator. Um, great defensive mind. Great defensive mind. Um, good pass rusher with Daniel Hunter. Uh, they, they got some pieces there now. This is not the bad Vikings defense from a couple years ago, kind of when Mike Zimmer was falling off the cliff there. It'll be an interesting game, and it's one we really, 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 really need to win if we have any hope of, of playoff life. But... We'll see what happens. Um, division games always get weird, and we're playing in Minneapolis, which isn't great. Um, so we'll see what happens. Should be a, a good game. Should be a very good game. And hopefully come out with the win. And until next time, guys, go Pack Go.